What's up, guys? Welcome back to the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ebers, and we've got a pretty exciting episode for you today. We're sitting down with Dalton Wood from Rack Daddy Minerals to discuss his early season success on a buck he calls kickers. Dalton brings a unique perspective to hunting early season as he is a big proponent for hunting mornings in early season. He has been successful the last two years, killing two really great bucks in the early season, so I really like to hear his perspective on how he is successful hunting early season and hunting early season in the mornings. We also get into hunting urban zones and what it takes to get permission and how he goes about getting permission. We also talk about some of his products um, with Rack Daddy Minerals and how he uses them to be successful, some of his favorite products, and kind of what exactly got him into selling minerals and other attractants for whitetails. We also get into the upcoming event, the Public Land Challenge, that is coming up October 5th through the 9th, and that's going to be held at the Mark Twain Lake. Uh, the host site will be Indian Creek, and uh, we'll get into the details into the episode so that you guys can find out a little bit more information about the Public Land Challenge. So we get into a lot of stuff on this episode. It's really exciting time. I hope you guys take away something, and I hope you guys enjoy Let's go ahead and get into the episode. rolling we are sitting down with dalton wood owner of rack daddy minerals dalton thanks for coming on man thank you for having me again i'm really excited to uh to be talking to you but i'm not gonna lie my head is in the (laughs) woods right now this cold front's got me feeling some type of way yes everything is everything's starting to shift into those fall fall activities and fall habits you know everything from pumpkin patches to rutting bucks so. Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to avoid the uh, the pumpkin patches this time of year. I'm yeah. I'm fixing to be in the stand, and and like I said, you know, these first few cold fronts that have come through the Midwest have just really got me all fired up. Yes, I agree. I would be too if I had a buck tag. Yeah, well, that's um, you know partly why we got you on. But before we jump into all of that, I would like to kind of give the listeners a little bit um, of background about who you are and um, maybe your inspiration for what started the Rack Daddy Minerals Company. I know we touched on that in the winter. We did a small podcast at a conference, but uh, go ahead and uh, rehash that out and tell us a little bit about yourself. So Dalton Wood from Columbia, Missouri. I grew up in southwest Missouri down in the hardwoods. So growing up there, I was I got into bow hunting, I would say, with my cousin. By the time I was 12, I really got into it. Um, Started hunting with him uh, when I was 16. He passed away, got hit head on by a car. So there for a few years, I kind of shied away from it because he was kind of my mentor. He was more like a brother. Um, and I, I think I kind of touched base on that before, how he was the big influence of me getting into to deer hunting. And like I said, had a few years there where I kind of got out of it and was focused on everything else but hunting women and doing what teenagers do. So um got back into it a few years later uh and then about 
really about five years ago is whenever I just went all out hardcore bow hunting. You know, what made the switch? Uh, it's just I personally I enjoy the up in your face action. I became uh, a better hunter, so I've been able to push closer to those areas, um, bedding, so forth, and get closer. And it's like you can take a rifle out and I can shoot one at forty yards, fine. Or I take my bow and I shoot it at forty. It's uh for me it's a it's just a lot more fun to bow hunt. I like the challenge. I enjoy archery period. You know, three D shoots and everything in the off season. That's just what I prefer. Um nothing against the rifle hunting. I mean it's it's great. That's what gets people outdoors and that's awesome. So Yeah. Well you've been on a roll the last few years and uh you know, that's kinda why I brought you on was because just the last couple of seasons you've been really getting it done early. And since we are still technically in early season, I figured that the folks out there would love to hear about some of the tactics that you've utilized to help you be successful. So I guess before, you know, we jump into all that too, we maybe do the background of, you know, this year's success story. Because, you know, that's still fresh in your mind and... I'm curious to know because I haven't gotten the full story about how it went down <laughs> and how it even got to that point. So if you want to go ahead and start the story and tell us maybe what led into your success in early season. So I'll start off by saying most people are hardcore against it, hunting early season mornings. Um, and I could not disagree more with that. Personally, obviously, it works for me. Um, I, I think it a lot of it will depend on your style of, of how you hunt. Are you hunting bedding areas? Um, are you pushing the envelope and getting up in there close? Um, stuff like that. Or are you just going to sit over a food plot of an evening? It's kind of, it's it's a good tool to have. Everything's a tool, you know, in the, in, when you're bow hunting. Whether it's uh, hunting your mornings, hunting your evenings, saddle hunting, tree stands. I've got a tool for each thing that I do. Cell cameras. That's a big thing for me. I think I got like 12 or 13 cell cameras now this year that I've been running. And then I've got probably 25 to 30 regular cameras that I've had soaking for (laughs) some of them two months now. A lot of that intel that my soaker cameras are for are going to be my late season things. Um, Cell cameras are for that instant instant gratification, knowing what's there and knowing what's there now. Touching base on the early season buck. Well, I seen the deer. We was headed down to glass a piece of public out by Columbia over there. Uh, me and the kids go out. They're, they're part of it. They enjoy it. We get out there. We glass deer. That's one thing, man. You know, just being around you the last few months, it seems like your kids are always with you. You're always taking them out into the woods with you. You're always showing them the outdoors. I think that's really cool, man. They're a big part of... Um, your hunting season Mm -hmm. they are they put in just as much work as i do i mean honestly you see i mean you you watch facebook you see it they're out there you know elbow to elbow slinging minerals doing whatever they can do to help dad yeah just the excitement i can see from them you know whenever i've been around you and you're like all right well we're gonna go feed the deer you know (laughs) stuff like that they just they love it and and it's so cool because they're so young but they're they're at that age right now where they really can pick up on a lot of stuff and, you know, just like you made that phone call before the podcast started, you know, I've got such and such buck back on camera, you know, and the, <laughs> the, the kids are excited, you know, they know what you're talking about. That's, that's pretty boy. He, uh, I'm sure if people that follow the page and that they've, the last two years have heard a lot and seen a lot of him. 
Um, he just he didn't make the jump this year. I thought he was going to. Uh, I actually I missed him the last the last day of season last year. I missed him, mm. uh, and I'm glad I did because it was like a he kept skating around me. He's a very smart deer. There's there's like seven acres between the two properties. There's like three point something. And then uh, the four, four and a half acres that butts up to it, I've got permission on, which is his fall ranging area. It's a giant oak flat, no pressure, no nothing. Um, he literally beds, um, there's a house there, and he will bed 70, 80 yards from the house. I mean, he's just, just in the wood line, just off the yard. Like, that's his primary area that he likes to bed. An urban buck. Yeah. And he holds tight to that area. I've bumped him out of there twice, and he don't like leaving that area. He will he will run around that little seven-acre patch. There was one time I bumped him, and I didn't give him a choice. I kind of was coming up the ridge there, and he bumped, and he ran across the road. That's the one time I ever seen that deer really leave that property. So there's a, there's a big ridge system there. It's got two secondary fingers that come off of it. Uh, the stand that I hung the other night when I shot that doe, he, I'm 99.9% I'm positive he was behind me on that ridge. Uh, it was probably 80 yards behind me. He was just feeding on acorns. I didn't take my binos. I've seen a nice nice rack, nice buck, whatever. Don't have a buck mm-hmm. tag. They didn't really doe. care. Yeah. Uh, didn't have my camera either. I didn't take nothing. I was going to hang a stand, and I was like, screw it. I'm going to hunt it, you know. Uh, so I did that. Hung a, a rope scrape kit there. Made a little two little mock scrapes, one with the rope, one with the regular. Um, and I, I've been noticing this time of year, some of the bucks, if they start, if the, the younger deer start using those ropes, the bigger ones will start using them. But if the little deer ain't using them first, the big deer just don't pay them no attention until they get that real scent from, uh, you know, a natural deer on them. They're just not messing with them much. Well, um, I'll tell you what I did. I, uh, I just recently got a couple uh, mock scrapes from you, and one of them I've got a cell camera on, so I know it's working. The other ones I just haven't checked yet. Mm-hmm. But I put that pre-orbital licking branch yep. scent on there, and then I threw a couple of those time-release beads down below, and I hung that, that hemp rope, is that what that is? Yep. Um, up onto a trail where I know deer pass through frequently. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad you said that these young if the young deer are hitting it that the the bigger deer and the more mature deer will start to hit it too because it seems like they're hitting it like nonstop when they walk that trail they make a point to go up to that um, sniff it lick it, it yeah something. and that that that's a good place for you know a deer to stop and get shot but also to to get some trail cam intel so yep. i'm really excited uh so far with what i've seen with the mock scrape kits but you know going back to this early season success story you know you you uh, said you were hunting in an urban area in yep. Columbia. Yep. Take us from there, kind of so, yeah, what led we was, into the hunt. Sorry, we got, got sidetracked there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Squirrel. That's going to happen probably quite a bit. Yeah, I, I get fired up. But uh, So we was we was going out to scout some public ground. Uh, my goal this year, all through early season until I found the kicker's buck, which is the one I shot, um, I had plans to hunt a certain piece of public down there that the last three years I've glassed early season. And uh, – I've got some some fellow bow hunter buddies that that hunt that and they hunt it hard and they're very successful down there. So I've been fortunate enough that I'm really good at door knocking. I'm really good at getting permission on spots. Um, so I've got several small pockets of of private land all through Columbia, um, and I've probably got some of the best spots you could land, and I've got them locked in. So, um, but 
once again, it's, you know, a commitment. You got to stay dedicated to it. You have to keep, keep knocking, keep going until you get the permission spots. Uh, that spot there particularly, I seen the deer cross the road probably a hundred yards from this property. Um, and there is a piece of public in town there that's, it's actually a, it's not really public. It's a city, city property. You have a permit to hunt on. Um, and I had a camera that I left out there for like a month and it was probably about a quarter mile from where I seen what we call the kicker's buck. So seen him cross the road. I filmed him, was watching him through my binoculars and stuff. And like something in me was just like, oh, that's the deer. Because whenever he was in velvet, he looked like a giant. I mean, he was just, just thick. He was, to me, I figured he would have finished out being just as big as my buck from last year, which he was a couple inches off. Um, he didn't have quite the girth, but he had more tying length and stuff like that. So, and plus he was an 11 where both of them were mainframe eights, uh, or he was a five by four or whatever. And then the kickers on him, the other one was a mainframe. Yeah. So he wasn't quite as big, but once I seen him, I was like, dude, I'm not after, I mean, everybody's after a 200 inch deer, but you got to have a 200 inch deer to hunt. So that's the thing. I personally don't, the biggest deer I've had on camera this year will go 170. Um, and he was not patterned like I had that deer pattern. He wasn't a huntable buck, per at least yet. Not yet. <laughs> no, he uh, he bounces around all over. I actually I've I've got a buddy that is hunting that deer, um, so hopefully he can hopefully he can get on him. I hope he can get him down, um, but. He's got between now and rifle season to get her done, yeah. <laughs> so and then it's game on. Sure. <laughs> so depending on what I find between them, because it's never ending. I scout, scout, scout. You know, just like that deer there, we're we're always on a mission, looking for the next big thing. Um, have four or five game plans lined up. Uh, that particular buck, the kicker's buck, we we seen him. Like I said, it's kind of a love at first sight thing. I was like, oh man, I, I got to get you on the wall. You're you're a great deer for promotion, right? You look cool, split, you know, the dual kickers. Um, so didn't think a whole lot about it. Got to looking on Onyx, um, tried finding some people, information and stuff like that. Went down two days later, or no, it was the next day. I was like, I'm just going to go down here and check my camera. I hadn't been in there in a while just to see what was on it. Uh Lo and behold, first picture I come to, I went and checked it at nine that morning. He was there at seven thirty, uh, and I was like, "Oh, this is a that's a dead deer." You know what I mean? In my eyes, that's a dead deer already, because um, I know that little piece of city better than probably anybody else that hunts it because I've hunted it so hard. Um, I've just picked that place apart. I know the bedding. I know everything. Um, I can go in there and pick up sheds every year. So you knew how he was going to move through there? Absolutely, one hundred percent. That there ain't a deer getting through that place that I don't know about. And so, so is that where you ultimately hunted him? Yes. What's well, that spot set up like? So uh, it's <laughs> it's a small acre spot. Um, yeah. I can't. I'm not going to give it away too too yeah. too much. Um, I guess. It, I guess it. I I don't want you to give away your spot. You know, I know there's a lot of guys out there trying to find some of these spots. But what I want to know is, you know, the big argument that you hear from all these pro hunters is that. You can't hunt mornings in early season because the bucks are already back in their bed before the sun comes up. Bullshit. You don't you don't agree? Bullshit. No, I I I've proven it wrong time and time again. Um and I've got countless videos from years previous of deer I didn't shoot that were morning morning hunts. Um 
it's 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 all about how you're hunting your deer you have to know your deer if you ain't got that deer on a 24-hour pattern early season it's tough you got to know what that deer's doing in the morning also in the evening um the thing that helped me that deer was shot off of three acres that kicker's buck Hmm. he was shot off of three acres that's not very many i pulled him from like i said about a quarter mile down where i had pictures of him at um it took him three days. I put out, I poured out a 50 pound bag of barely legal, um, and two 30 pound bags of backwoods blend. That was back in June, I believe when I found him, the end of June. And he was already, I mean, I can't take credit for growing that deer, obviously, because he was already a great buck and, and, and who knows, maybe he had been, maybe somebody was feeding mineral around there, whatever. Um, as far as I know, I don't know if that deer was on any kind of supplements or nothing like that. So some of these city deer might get, uh, you know, a lot of fruit trees, stuff like that. Maybe somebody throws a salt block out for them or a trophy rock. Uh, there's not too many people in town that really supplemental feed. So, um, and that's kind of, that's where my approach is. You know, I kind of watch the guys from Seek One and stuff like that. And it's like, that's stuff that I look up to. Because these guys are going in there and killing Mondos. Yeah. Um, and I'm killing 140s, you know. I mean, you know, obviously last year, the 167 was killed last year in town too. Which is... Not not too far. That whole area right there in town. There's there's two other deer that are close to 160. Um, one of them's 150 for sure, and the other ones, I, I'm gonna say, he's ever bit of 160. Well, after this podcast, you're gonna have so, to hide your truck. People are gonna be looking lo- looking for you. And that's why I got an e-bike <laughs> because uh, and, and I'm serious. That's yeah. you know I do I park I'll park sometimes I might park six miles from where I'm gonna go and run cameras at. Um, the e-bike has been my biggest investment. I can tell you it's helped me. Uh, the, the the big one that my wife shot last year, that was hands down. If I didn't have that e-bike, I would have never found that deer because I wouldn't have been traveling as much as I was to my spots. Mm-hmm. So I approached it from a different angle. I normally come in off of a ridge top, and I come in out of a creek bottom that time, and that's whenever I found him was he was bedded along that creek, and I was like, bingo, you're dead. <laughs> Did you bump him? Uh, yes, I, I did, but uh, he was with another smaller 8, 10 point. That deer buggered up and was gone. The big deer was just kind of like, what the hell? You yeah, know? didn't know what spooked. Uh, and, and when you're riding through town on a bike in Columbia, they're not too spooky. Um, you get if, if you stop too long and you're staring at them, then they get to moving. Uh, that deer was not really, he didn't act like he was too scared at all. Um, but before I bumped him, I instantly turned around and my, I was about four and a half miles from my truck. If I remember right, um, from where I parked that day, that was probably the most active rut field day I've ever seen in my life. I've got videos that I can show you on my phone. I was 10 yards from a buck. I was FaceTiming my buddy. I was in between him and his doe. And this deer's just like, you know, like how do I get around your bike to get to her? Like it was insane. I have never seen rut action like that. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm thinking differently. Is this, is this the buck, the kicker's buck or is this a different Well, buck? this is, this is the one that the, the wife shot last year, the, the oh, okay. 167. Okay. Um, same, same general area though, that the kicker's buck came out of. Gotcha. Um, so that whole little strip block. of town. Yeah. I'm going to call okay. it. It's not really a block of timber. It's miles, you know, stretched just out. Just a between. block, a city block. <laughs> but they just, they run that system. Those, those creeks and stuff through town, they yeah. run them creek systems really hard during the rut. Um, so yeah, back to the kicker's buck again. <laughs> Sorry. We're uh, all good. Found the deer, put out some supplements, put out minerals. Um, first off, 
let's go back to permissioning. Let's talk about that because it was a God thing. Uh, knocked on the door with the lady, um, was talking to her and her husband, and they was like, nah, you know, I don't know. They was kind of unsure. The husband answered the door first, which to me, I'm like, bingo. There's none of this. Let me ask my husband shit. He's here. I'm talking to him first, right? right? So talked to him, and then he hit me with, let me ask my wife. And I was like, oh, oh here man. we go. <laughs> I thought I had that one in the bag. So he goes and gets his wife. Um, super, super sweet people. Awesome people. Been really, really established a good friendship with them um, since then. So, but new guy. Who knows? Um, I got liability paperwork that I carry around that I had drawn up. So saying it's just a liability waiver saying if whatever happens, I shoot myself in the foot, fall out of a stand, whatever, you're not responsible. Um, and, of course, I got my city permit card, too. And that helps a lot, having that permit um, and explaining how you're wanting to hunt their property because of deer-to-vehicle collisions, right? They're a nuisance. They're a nuisance. Um, that's why they have that program in town. So you're, you're giving them great information, and to me, it's 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 broadening the horizons of what they're looking at. It's not you're hunting my property. It's I'm hunting your property because of this issue, mm-hmm. um, and that's helped me a lot by getting my foot in the door on several properties in town. So give them the whole spiel. They, they were cool with it. Um, they're like, yeah, no problem. Just text us when you're going to come down. I said, well, if you're cool with it, I'll come out tomorrow, get a mineral site rolling, explain to them what I was going to be doing, let them know I wouldn't be, you know, cutting trees down, nothing like that. And they're like, well, it's whatever. If you do, if it's fine, because it's just really thick. Um, but out of respect, didn't do that. So started feeding there, like I said, hung a cell cam in there, hung two tactic camera bills in there. And uh, three days later, boom, he was there. So... Part of my strategy is I hunt the wind, but I also use the wind in my advantage when I'm trying to pull a new deer off another property. Um, Luckily, that deer was to the north. He was staying to the north of where my property was at that I was hunting and where I put the minerals out at. So the next time we had a strong south wind, I went out there and I poured just a lot, several (laughs) several 10-ounce bottles of the uh, persimmon liquid out there and refreshed the the feed site because I had does and there's another good 12 pointer that was there that was actually bigger than the kicker's buck, but, and he's going to be a monster next year. So talking to the neighboring property guy, he's like, Hey, we're not shooting him. We're not shooting either one of those deer. And I was like, well, I am. I'm, if I see the kicker's buck, that's I'm kicking, I'm targeting him. So, uh, pulled both of them deer over. They was running together for several weeks. Um, those two, several other eight pointers, does, you know, of course you're feeding everything in that area and you're, you're drawing in 30 deer. You know, it's insane how many deer are in that area. So keeping, keeping the food out, keeping the minerals out, um, was really hard. Uh, and as season progressed, it got to where once they started to peel velvet, he would disappear for a day and started doing the, Oh, I ain't seen my deer yet. You know, what's going on? The, <laughs> the where'd he go act. So oh, yeah. I, I'm not scared to bump a deer. So early season that's what's great about it is you bump a deer you're not just going to booger him out of there um it's okay to bump him off of a bed and i'm okay with bumping a deer off of a bed that's how i found that deer's bed uh being aggressive has landed me two good bucks two years in a row opening day because i found that deer's bed in early season it's going to be bedding there you know pay attention to your wins um 
That's the main thing, why he's bedded there. If you go there and you can kind of look, there was a shelf that was actually, I, I call it a shelf. Um, it's just kind of a, kind of comes down a hill. It's a giant ridge, I would say. It's got cedars on top, transitions into oaks, and there's a giant white oak, which is where those deer were feeding and where my cell camera's at. And I was catching him on that trail going to his bed of a morning and he was coming out midday and feeding on them oaks too, right before season started. So I was getting pictures of him three times a day, like clockwork, every day. Two days before season, he disappeared. Had no bucks, all does on camera. And I was like, okay, shifting, shifting aspect here, looking at different different areas to hunt, looking at different deer, going back through truck cam pictures. Um, no deer was patterned like I had that deer patterned. Um, and instantly I'm like, Hey, you put in the work on that deer, go hunt him opening day. Uh, and then sure enough, you know, before it even got daylight, I had deer all over underneath me, does and in yearlings feeding. And there's a giant white oak that was just raining acorns. I mean, just a little gust and it was just, you could just hear them falling everywhere. So those deer fed off, um, I ended up shooting him at like 7.28 in the morning. There was actually a bigger buck that come in first. I had never seen the, seen the buck before. Giant seven-pointer um, was <laughs> a solid buck. And I seen him instantly, and I was like, what deer is that, you know? Didn't know what deer he was. And I had him at 10 yards underneath me feeding around on those, those acorns. And uh, the small eight that was running with Kicker's buck, he come in too, and... Looked back, and lo and behold, I seen the kicker's buck, and I was like, go time. So I turned my 360 camera on, um, calmed myself down a little bit, you know, chilled myself out. He come in. There was like two small little elm trees that he walked past. Um, he raised his head up, looked behind him, and I drew back. And I was like, okay, whenever you come in and you start feeding, as soon as you give me a broadside shot, you're you're getting shot. And... Uh, well, he never did. For like a minute and a half, I was your back, and I'm like, holy cow, you know? And I'm 72 pounds holding this thing back, and I'm getting fatigued. <laughs> so I'm like, screw it. I let down. And I'm, you know, the adrenaline, the emotions are rolling, and I'm oh, yeah. talking to myself. I'm like, all right, dude, just calm down. He's he's 20 yards from me, and I got this bigger buck right underneath me at 10. And yeah. I'm like... And you got another eight-pointer. And I've so got, got a lot of eyes. Dude, I've got like seven deer around me at this time. Mm -hmm. Um the only spot I didn't have deer around me was up towards the house because they hadn't worked up behind me yet. Everything was feeding all on that giant white oak. And uh, they was rooting around in, in the, the bushes and stuff just to get to them those acorns that were falling. So they was pretty busy. Um, they had their heads down a lot, which was another part of why I was able to, to get away with so much because there was one 12-inch tree that I hung my lone wolf set in uh, about a week before season started. I went and pre-hung that set. Mm -hmm. Um and I was just watching the deer activity. The first couple pictures when them deer come in, all of them were like looking up. And I'm like, oh, this ain't going to be good. Because there's no back cover to hunt them right there. But I made do with what I had. Uh, hung that spot. And obviously it, it paid off, you know, in the long run. But so I let down, like I was saying. Um, the deer are still feeding around. I'm calming myself down. Because at this point I'm, I got the, the shakes and, you know, I'm fired up and what have you. And. Finally, he turns broadside perfectly, and I look down, and the big buck's got his head up looking around, and he's rooting around with his nose up in the air, smelling, you know, like he smells mm -hmm. something. Scent checking um, something. Which is, you know, part of a whole another another topic we could talk about, but, you know, scent control and, and those type of products. Um, I 
obviously I had wafers out. I use Scent Thief. That's what I prefer. It's helped me twice now. Um, part of it that I will touch base on is I had a couple of scent wafers up in the trees with me. Of course, I do the full spray, wash my clothes, body wash, the whole scent control system. Uh, but my thermal pool was not good that day. Um, the morning, it was great when I got in there. Everything was pulling up out of the bottom and rising. Mm-hmm. But once once the sun started coming up, my thermal started falling before they shifted and started pulling again. And that was about that time whenever them deer come up out of that bottom. Uh, I could feel the wind beating on my right ear, and it was coming in from my left. I, I set up that stand. There was a 17-yard shot to one trail and 21 to the other going to and from bedding. Uh, and it was a chip shot, so I could set down with my bow in my hand and be ready. That's why that Barely stand was there. Move. Yeah, I mean, minimal movement, you know. But uh, get in there, capitalize, have a game plan. If I would have went in there that morning and tried to hang a set, I would have got, I would have busted all them does out of there, and the outcome would have been totally different. So, you know, a lot of guys were like, "Well, I have to. I got this new saddle set up, or I got this new custom gear stand, and I got to go, and I got to, you know." bounce around and, and, and hang every morning. And, and No, you don't. Dude, don't get caught up in what's cool and what's not cool. Go in there, stack the cards in your favor, and kill your deer. That's why I've been successful. I've got nice gear, whatever. I'll pre-hang that shit. That's what works for me. That's my style of hunting. Like I said, I'm very aggressive. I like to get right on the bedding, just like last year was the same thing. Very edge of bedding, killed my deer. So I shot him. I thought I shot him just a touch back. Uh, well, hold on now, because you you had to let back down, yes. and then he, I guess, started working into the acorns a little bit more. Finally, got into well, one I of your lanes or what? I, no, he was he was there. It's kind of like an opening before it goes in. It was like almost like somebody drew a line through the woods of a thicket, uh, and I'm not sure what what the plant is um, that was growing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some some small bushes that's just everywhere. Uh, so. It was like a hard transition line, and that oak was actually in the thicket, but it was it was big around as this table, dude. It was it was just ginormous, man. It was huge, uh, and it was dropping acorns here, but it was also overhanging out into the opening where my stand was hung. So very very clear opening. I took down two little branches. Was all I really trimmed out of that area because I didn't like I said. They could have skylighted me super easy, and I knew that. That's why I set my stand up. I actually hung it twice that day that I hung it. Hung it once, and I'm like, I, I went up there and I set in it, and I'm like, no. I shifted it around about six inches around the tree because it yeah. needed to be perfect. You know, exactly. I had to be on that chip shot. That that right there could have been a make-or-break deal. If you hadn't yeah. moved it, maybe you would have got skylined, and, and I planned this would have been a different story. I planned on shooting him setting down, but I shot him standing up. Um Got fired up, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to stand up. When I get nervous, I, I, I back up against the tree, you know, and try to blend in, you know. Yeah. Uh, Maybe if I push myself into this tree, they won't see me. <laughs> so that was exactly what happened. I stood up and put my back up against the tree and tried to embed myself in it, you know, the best I could till they come in. And so, yeah, the, the, the deer comes in. Finally, the one that's below me, the other deer's feeding around, and at this time he – Switches back around where he was broadside. Now he's facing me again, face on. This deer's got his head down, and I'm like, quit being a pussy and pull your bow back and hold it. So I did. I just, <laughs> at that point, I, I pulled it back, and 
sitting there waiting. wasn't even I wasn't even drew down on it yet. I just had it pulled back in my hand, and he slowly started working side to side to side. And I'm like, come on, you know, keep on, keep on. Well, finally, he got pretty close to being broadside. He was quartered to me just a hair, and I was like, screw it, you know, drew down on him, beat on him. Release my arrow, watch my zinger and Luminok disappear. Um, he donkey kicked real big and took off the other direction. I thought I shot him just a touch back, um, which I did. Still was lungs, liver. It he was quartered to me enough that uh I mean he didn't make it he didn't make it far at all. There was blood everywhere on impact. So shot him, he took off running about fifteen yards, um, and was just kinda like wasn't sure, you know, he's like unsure, like something wasn't right. Uh, those heavy arrows I've found are notorious for doing that. They blow through them and the deer don't just take off running 300 yards. Um, they blow through them they're like, whoa, what was weird? And at that point it's too late, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> now yeah. it's like you're done for. <laughs> and he was wobbling around a little bit. And uh, of course I seen him there and I was like, he's going to, he's obviously going to fall. I have my 360 camera rolling. <clears throat> so turn around, you know, do the whole exit interview, everything, uh, got on my staff chat, FaceTime the fellas, first thing I do, um, it's like a family, my, my guys that are on field and pro staff are like family, I got a solid group of guys, um, you know, it, it's, it's awesome, so they're the first people I call, you know, and they all know, if I call on opening morning, everybody chimes in, even if they're at work, they're in the bathroom, what's up, you know, and that's just how we do it, you know, I'm sure you guys are the same way. Absolutely. So, you got to share that moment with them, told them, killed the kicker's buck, everybody's like, we knew it, you know, whatever. Uh, so, I'm like, well, I'm going to get off here, I don't want to talk too much, but uh, I said, I'm going to get off here, I'm going to go down and grab my arrow, look at my arrow, and, and back out. Regardless, I'm backing out. Yeah, I got four acres, three and a half acres to work with here at this spot. So, <laughs> and you never know how the neighbor's gonna be. Yeah, in and the city. and the neighbors hunt. Um, so to me, it was it, it's a respect thing, dude. It's all about respect. I don't want to go over there. I'm not gonna go look for my deer at eight o'clock in the morning after I shoot him on opening day because they might be in there hunting. Yeah, I mean, just respectful, right? So I backed out. I waited until. 9:30. Um, I actually called my buddy Charles because he told me the day before he's like, "Hey man, I gotta drop the kids off at school. I can't hunt because he had to go to Iowa." So he's like, "If you shoot, if you shoot that deer tomorrow morning, you call me. I'll drag him out with you." So I called him. <laughs> I took him up on that offer. Yeah. He's like, "What? You you did?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I killed him, dude." And he's like, "Are you serious?" I was like, "Yep." He's like, "All right, man, where you at?" So I told him. I went up to the gas station there. Met him at the station. It was at 9 30, 10 o'clock. And I'm like, you know, opening morning, it's getting pretty warm at this point. If you're in the woods, you're probably moving on by now. And if the deer haven't passed you, they're not going to. They're going to be bedded up. Yeah. So went ahead and went in, um, which he ran and stayed on our property. I thought he was going to run towards the neighboring property because I was probably within 60 yards of the property line, but he didn't. He ran back on the bottom of us. He didn't make it 50, maybe 60 yards at the most. When I seen him wobbling around, he went down a hill and died right there. So, But just to be safe, I backed out. When in doubt, back out. That's I, uh, I've lost the biggest deer in my life because I, got, I watched him drop, and I was like, done. You know what I mean? Ran up to him, got my brother. My little brother was with me. Got excited. We ran up on him, and he jumped up and took off and hopped the fence onto the neighbors and never did find him. So... 
and that was <laughs> that's probably a 170 inch deer at least i would say i want to say he was 180 he's the biggest deer i've ever i've ever shot um, and i didn't get to recover him so i've learned to play you know, it safe yeah i mean last year obviously the deer i shot him he piled up within 15 yards you got to watch that yeah, yeah i got that all on film so that was pretty cool uh this year mind you i'm hunting out a 10 to 12 inch pin oak that's all it is shitty cover i don't have room for my camera arm i'm a right-handed shooter I'm not trying to have all this camera gear in between me and the deer, right? Yeah. So I bought a 360 camera from uh, Shane Simpson. He's you know, does a lot of turkey hunting and stuff. I bought his old camera from him this year, and it's great, man. I love it because that, that video, you can see everything plain as day. You can see the deer until he runs off down the bottom because of the overhang of the trees. You can't see him no more, but um, which... <laughs> I ended up deleting my video of that two days later when I was hunting with my kids. I had the 360 cam going in the ground blind, and I had a bunch of stuff from Nebraska. You know, I had four or five days of interviews and walking around and B-roll, uh, the six-pointer I, you know, had passed up and stuff. All that stuff was on there, and I was like, I'm just going to make room because I had 24 minutes left on my SIM card, and I'm trying to film the hunt with my kids, which is more important than anything else. Um, so... Trump's, I mean, I, I I don't really care. It's not that big of a deal that I deleted the video. It kind of bugs me that i done it. Um, but I still haven't recorded nothing on that SIM card, so I can actually still go and recover it uh, with some software. So eventually, whenever hunting season slows down, I will go and, and run that SIM card and get the video and everything, and we'll post it up so you guys can actually see it. But Heck uh, yeah, I'll be excited to. Hopefully you can get that taken care of. But so, so the early season thing, man, for me, it's not. Well, that's your second buck in two years mm-hmm. on opening day, and this time it was opening day again? Yeah. Okay. Both opening mornings. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you, you've uh, obviously, there's a testament to be said there that hunting mornings in the early season isn't so bad. I'll be honest, I shot a buck, uh, one of the first bucks I ever shot with my bow, on September 16th in the morning. Yeah. So, I mean, it can be done. And I think oaks probably have a lot to do with that. The acorns have been crazy dropping this year. So I'm I'm curious to know maybe what is your insight into killing bucks in the mornings in the early season? Hunt the oaks, period. Hunt oaks. Find a white oak that's dropping. They, they seem to, to drop first um, in this area. And... I, I mean, yeah, you can hunt your mineral sites. That's all fine and dandy. But, dude, it's just I've found you cannot find anything better than acorns opening season. I mean, it's just the op- the first two weeks of September when they transition, once those acorns start falling, man, it's a fresh new food source. That's what deer like. Um, that's why they turn off of beans, and they'll, they want that stuff when it's fresh and young. So you can have a food plot nothing against doing food plots they work great they serve their purpose late season but as far as for early season in my opinion i will hunt hardwoods over a food plot any day of the week i have i've actually never really hunted food plots because my deer were all on oak trees eating on acorns um early season so late season you know you got some biologic or something some turnips or whatever i mean absolutely but early season the hardwoods um and I also want to touch base on, so part of 
part of finding this deer's bedding, whenever I went in there and I moved cameras around and I bumped him off of his bed, I went into the, the there's a creek bottom that's below the property here. Uh, most of the property's in a creek bottom that, that I got the permission on. So I went in there and I'm, I'm just doing some, some preseason scouting and I'm looking at all the browse and it's just mowed down in that bottom. And I'm like, okay. I find the little shelf that goes up from the creek bottom and I find a little ravine with the heavy trail going up it. Went over, of course, you know, identified the, the trail, all buck tracks. And I knew at that point, I actually made a video um, and I put it on Facebook that, uh, you know, I was like, look, this is some good buck sign, whatever. I'm going to be in the buck bed soon. And uh, 40 more yards, there was five bucks bedded up together up there. That's the one time I bumped him off of that bed and I never went back in there. I knew that that trail there was the exit trail because of the way all the tracks were coming down that creek bank. Um, so, so going in, finding that secondary browse down there was a big part of it too because if I didn't push the envelope and I didn't get off into that property as deep as I did, I would have never found that deer's bed and I wouldn't have known where to, to move my cameras to. Um, so... To me, it's, yeah, you're getting a little bit aggressive. Everybody's afraid to bump a deer, and it's like, dude, <laughs> if you're hunting public, okay, I get it. You know, if you're hunting public where these deer are getting bumped right and right and left, yeah, okay. You know, you bump him once, and maybe you screwed yourself. I don't know. I've never had to deal with that. So even my public land bucks that I've got on weren't weren't that spooky. So um, I can't really relate to whenever people talk about that well you bump him once and then he's going to move on you i i i call bullshit because i've never had a deer do that to me in my life so um i've actually they may not come back the next day but then they may oh usually, because they got away yeah usually within three days man they'll be back that's from what i've seen um and you're right i've had deer come back the same day uh the whole bump and dump you know that's yeah. why that's why you see a lot of the guys that go in there and they're doing that now and they're being successful with it i got two buddies that are just public land jammers my buddy so i got one buddy jace that just got back from kentucky he shot one it was a 181 inch deer 20 days solid hunting this deer solid wow. on public the deer got shot once before he shot him and lived he ended up getting him hell of a story uh he's part of uh the lone wolf guys now he's from okay. columbia um so you know there's 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 a lot of good talent in our area man that uh you know, just because just some of the guys ain't doing the whole pro staff stuff and stuff like that, I got buddies that are just... Killing big ones and staying quiet. That's all they do. They go in and they kill big deer. Um, and like we was talking about, hanging out with these guys that uh, can help you level up, dude, that's where it's at. Uh, it's great to have people that you can help uh, be successful, but you also got to help yourself. And with me... I'm 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 a gearhead. I like knowing the next best thing. I like tinkering with stuff and obviously whitetail junkie, you know. So I try to hang out with guys that are more knowledgeable than I am, which there's <laughs> millions of them out there that are way more knowledgeable <laughs> about a whitetail. So um, grab a hold of what you need from that person and let the rest go. I mean, it's kind of a selfish thing, but listen to what they're saying. Um, if you watch these hunting shows and you get a chance to talk to some of these guys in person, man, pick their brain. 
I can tell you that I've ran into the hunting public guys a few times on Mark Twain. The bird I shot opening day last year, that double beard I shot opening morning, I ran into Warbritton out there three days before season. He was out there listening to birds, and I was like, he was super cool. I'm like, hey, and I showed him on my Onyx. I'm like, this is this bird that you're listening. This is his strut zone. This is whatever, and this is where I'll be hunting opening morning. You know what I mean? And he's mm. like, dude, absolutely, man. You got that bird pinned. That's your bird, you know. <laughs> right. uh, super cool people, man. A lot of guys are... I feel like they shy away from that because they're better than them in their eyes. But And I will add, for me, everything that's done for any deer or turkey that I've killed has been 100% me. I don't have people that come in and pre-scout areas for me. I don't do that shit. This is 100% Dalton Woods knowledge, Dalton Woods way of hunting, and my style of doing shit. Period. <laughs> Nobody else has been involved with these deer at all. This has been 100% on me. Well, uh, I, th- I think uh, a big, you know, reason why you're so successful is because, you know, whenever I'm I'm Snapchatting you daily and following up with you and talking to you, you're always out in the woods. You're always yeah. looking for the next big buck. You're always looking for the next best setup. Got to stay ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like that's what you do. And I've got all my fall cameras already placed, dude. And they're just, I got soaker cameras in place on mock scrapes and... I still run my cell cameras, but it's, I mean, yeah, you can run cameras over a mineral site and you're still getting action on them right now. Like, you know, the deer are going to be hammering minerals. Yeah. I want scrapes. <laughs> you know, I want to know when there's a new deer in that area. And I've had bucks that won't touch a mineral site, mature bucks that will not go to a mineral site. I can hang a camera 10 yards from it on an oak tree that's dropping or a scrape that I found that's fresh and get a million pictures and not one on that mineral site. So why that is, I don't know. And if somebody can enlighten us on on <laughs> why them deer do that, I would yeah. definitely like to hear about it because... I think it's just different times of the year when they need it. And I was talking to a buddy last week, and he said that he really enjoys using minerals this time of the year mm-hmm. because when they're coming off those acorns, they like to hit the mineral sites. And I, I can't remember the exact reason why, but he said that it's vital that he he gets his minerals out there during this time of the year because they're going to hit those acorns and they're going to go right to the mineral site and eat that stuff too. There's even some spots that my father-in-law and I have set up where you've got a mineral site in front of the camera and then in the background we've got a licking branch and a a smock scrape Mm -hmm. in the background. So we're picking up both Mm -hmm. um, and we, we keep it within a trail. So if they're not hitting one, they're probably hitting the other one and you're still getting them in front of your camera. Yep everything's going to have a mineral deficiency all year long. Um, every animal does. That's why you'll see everything from, I've had bobcats on mineral sites. I've had groundhogs, coyotes, foxes. I mean, you name it, dude. I've had literally every animal you can think of on a mineral site that Missouri has to offer pretty much. So everything lacks minerals. They're just like us. We know when we want something sweet. We know when we need something salty. Our bodies talk to us. We know what we're needing. Um, you know, mammals are the same, so they know what they need, and that's why certain times of the year, mineral sites kind of slow down, and that's not a bad thing. A lot of guys are like, well, the deer ain't hitting my minerals. Well, that's a good thing. That means they're not needing them, um, because if they need them, they know it's there. Uh, right. Pretty boy. I just showed you pictures of him the last three days. He's been there, dude. Daylights. I mean, I have not Hammer seen that mineral. deer since August. I had two pictures of him in velvet. Ain't seen him since. 
I went out and refreshed that site uh, the day I shot that doe, actually. This property butts up to the property that I was hunting. I poured out, so this is what I done. I went in and I hung that set. I come back out. I had some barely legal with me and I said, screw it. I hadn't refreshed that site in a while. It had no bucks on it. I'm not just going to feed does mineral year round. And it's huge. It's bigger than your pool table. I mean, it's, it's a, big a site. monster site on a hillside. So I went out and poured out barely legal. Uh, and it's just, maybe it's a coincidence, whatever. The next day he's there. Okay. I haven't seen this deer. Okay. Last year it was the same way. So if I kept the minerals out there, he was there. So I, I can relate certain deer, uh, will, will thrive off of that year round and they will use those mineral sites daily. And I've also found that doing the urban hunting, when you segregate a deer, okay, let's just say, no, like I was saying, none of my properties, most of my properties are five acres and under. It's little bitty blocks of, of heaven, what I call them, just a little slice of heaven that, that holds deer, okay? Um, it's not as easy as everybody thinks to get into these properties and not bump deer out of them. So a lot of guys are like, they're city deer, they're used to the smell, and, and I invite anybody that says that on, come show me, because I've never... It's harder to hunt these city deer because when you hunt a deer on, let's just say, Mark Twain National Forest, he might have a 100-block acre of timber that he lives in, that he roams, that he is keeping track of. 100 acres, say. These deer are in five. If anything's out of place, they know. I mean, they, they grew up in these. These, these four- and five-year-old deer grow up, you know, in this area. They don't leave it because they're safe. So they get kind of trapped, I would say, in those pockets. But... Whenever you bump it out and it wants to run two doors down into somebody's backyard that it's no, it's, it knows it's safe, it's just you just got to really be careful with what you do because you can bump a deer out of the, out of those little blocks of timber and he'll stay on the neighbors for two, three, four weeks. Who knows? He might yeah, not come back. Because we're all talking for a while. about three acres. You know, the next yeah. guy's only got three acres. I mean, he's safe on this side of the fence, and maybe they don't know fence lines, but they know where it's safe and where it's not safe. Exactly. Yeah. So. No, I, I totally get what you're saying there. You know, we've kind of touched on it a lot here about the minerals, but um, that's another reason why I wanted you on is because, you know, since we partnered up, I don't think we've really gotten to sit down and do a, a long-form conversation to talk about your minerals. Um, I, I would love to, you know, I kind of asked at the beginning of the episode and then, you know, things went yeah. awry and here we are now. <laughs> <a> free for all. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we touched on it then, but <clears throat> I'd like to hear, you know, what inspired you to start Rack Daddy Minerals and kind of talk about some of your favorite products, what you like using them for, and uh, what, what maybe you'd be focusing on this time of the year. My main thing was, obviously, I've got strong ties with, with deer hunting, so... My, my thing of it was, what can I do that I could make profit off of by, by doing something hunting related, okay? I've done the whole staffing with, with filming, filming hunts, staffing with shows and, and what have you. I wasn't laying down good enough video to make money off of it. So I went that route at first, just like everybody does, right? Everybody wants to get famous filming hunts, man. So that was my first little venture into doing anything with the hunting community. And I, and I just felt like, you know, having... B-rated videos wasn't going to cut it. So between that and getting tired of spending, you know, let's just say for an average bag of something that you get from, you know, 
your local feed store, your Bass Pro, Walmart, whatever. Say you're going to spend 15 to 20 bucks. 19.99 normally to 15.99 to 20 bucks. So you go and spend that 20 bucks and you pour something out and you get a couple of does that hit it and that's it and you're like stuff's junk, right? Don't work right. Mm-hmm. That stuff right there was what intrigued me to create something that would work better than anything else that I had been using. And that's what I done. Uh, I started this business off in 2018 or 19. 19, I think, whenever we started actually selling stuff. But I was mixing everything in my freaking garage with a blender, man. You know, I was flavoring every bag that people wanted with a blender. Um, and a lot of my guys that are on staff that have been with me since day one will tell you, man, it was, it was, and the ex-wife. I mean, I spent hours upon hours every night going home and busting my ass to make sure people were took care of. Um, and that's what grew my business. Because at the end of the day, it's convenient to go to Walmart. You don't pay for shipping. People use my stuff because I got good customer service. I establish a friendship with people and, you know, the product works. So the big thing is is having good customer service and taking care of your people. Um, you know, if I ship you something, let's just say, and you haven't got it, it's supposed to be a two-day shipping thing. You haven't got it four or five days later, whatever. I ship an order, <clears throat> excuse me, on me. I, sh- I reship it. It's on me. Um, and I've learned that dealing with the post office, trying to get your insurance money is a waste of time. So, but I do that because at the end of the day, customers are number one. Okay. I got to make sure they're took care of. Um, and I'm a blatantly honest person. I will tell you the first week of deer season, don't order nothing. You can order it, but it won't get shipped. And I meant that (laughs) even though I tagged out opening day, I take that first week and I take care of, well, you know, guys on staff, somebody like yourself that we're partners with, 100%. You know, I will make sure that we get stuff to you guys because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So I try to I try to stand out by doing that stuff. I try to be seen. I hand deliver a lot of stuff. Um, you can call me personally when you have an issue and you talk to me. You don't talk to Becky that, you know, don't know shit about the product. So right. you're talking to me. If there's an issue, I will take care of it, period. Um and I think that's what's grown the business more than anything is the customer service side of it and having that that honesty with customers. Um, just like I told you when you come and got the rope scrapes and I'm like, you know, look, man, I'll be honest with you. seems like they're hitting natural licking branches right now better than they are the rope scrapes. I'm not going to try to, you know, pimp my product to somebody just to get rid of something, okay? I want a friendship and I want somebody to be happy with my business. I want a long-term relationship with that person, Uh I don't want you to spend $200 today and never buy from me again. I don't want that, man. I want you to just spend 20 now, 20 next month, and I want you to use the pro- the products properly. Uh, and I'll tell people that. You know, this stuff, yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive, but the thing is it's designed to actually increase your overall herd health of your deer. You know, you take a bag of mineral that on average, let's just say, and a lot of them are more, I'm just going to say average 60, 65% salt. Let's just say that. Um, will a deer eat salt? Yes. Does it do something for them? Not, not really. It's an attractant. Uh, you know, you can pour water softener out, you can pour a salt block out and the deer are going to use it. They're not getting no nutritional stuff out of that. So when I sit down with the guys that are through Mizzou that makes our recipes and that the recipe that I was making was high in salt and I wanted to get rid of that because for one, I don't, I don't want anybody to ever feel like you're, you're getting screwed over by having too much salt in the bag, right? So we knocked that down in half. It's got 
I think we labeled it 32% salt. It's got about 30. We, we label it high just for a guaranteed analysis. So 30% salt still gives a little bit of salt, but you got more vitamins and minerals in there that the deer are actually needing. Um, and that's what's going to actually help not, not only the rapid growing fawns. For one, it's hands down the best mineral for a fawn that you're going to find. It's just, that's what it's designed around because a fawn will grow way faster and require so much more than any mature buck or doe. Um, they're growing so quick and so fast that they require an abundance of minerals. So your vitamin E, your vitamins A, your vitamin D, um, you know, it's everything down to selenium and uh, your copper levels. You know, you got to watch your copper levels. A lot of uh, mineral companies will have a high copper level and that's not good, especially if it's in like a high fence or something because... Uh, if you if you're feeding, let's just say something that's got awdad or some kind of sheep or goats, it it, it can kill them. Um, and a deer is technically in the goat family, so you got to watch how much copper intake they have. Uh, stuff like that. You just you know read the labels when you're buying a product. Whether you I don't care if you know if you're listening and, and I don't care if you never buy my product, but whenever you go to the store, compare your labels, know what you're buying, um, and, and make sure that your money's actually being spent wisely. That's all. Uh, of course, if you want to check our stuff out, you can jump on the website. All the guaranteed analysis for, for all of our products is on there. Um, and, of course, if you're in Missouri, if you're not in a CWD zone, you can use our barely legal during season because it's just mineral. It's There's no proteins, no calories, no sugars in it. Um, so that's another thing that we got going for us is having that mineral that – I mean, you know, you've used it. So, like you said, you can pour barely legal out, and the deer will will hammer it. Yep. Um, we've got that. We've got that on lockdown. So, <laughs> it's a really no good doubt. product. Absolutely, man. Um, you know, I just I, I kind of want to comment too. You know, you, you work a full time job. Yes. And then you're doing this business on the side. Yeah. And you know, I think as a consumer, you know, a lot of people have to appreciate the fact that you're so honest and. You're so relatable in the fact that, you know, you spent opening week of, of Missouri season hunting, not not doing business. And I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to that, you know, whether they like it or not, if they, they're waiting <laughs> on a product, yeah. you know, I can understand that problem too. But I'm sure as, as your business grows, you know, those problems will work themselves out. Yeah. But, you know, I've really enjoyed our partnership here just in the most recent and uh, the products that I've been using have been working. Um, I have to call you out and say you were wrong about the, the licking branch so far. The hemp rope has been doing better. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. And uh, I'm going to continue to use the products this year and, and see what we have in store. I'm really excited for, for what um, is to come. But you said you like the Barely Legal. Was there any other products that are kind of some of your favorites that you maybe leaned your customers towards? Yeah, um, especially if you're if you're in states that you can bait. Um, the backwoods blend is it's hands down it's what you want to use if you can bait the backwoods blend you know you can get a bag of it for $9.99 you're not going to find an attractant that's that cheap that works as well as the backwoods blend does uh and then obviously we started selling you know all the the certified deer urine this year too so that's been really successful this year I'm surprised at how much I've already been selling of that like and it's all because of previous customers that have used our minerals and are believers in the product, right? So 
now we're offering the full line of synthetic deer urines um, and then also the real deer urine as well. Um, we've got everything from time-released beads. Um, we've got doe and estrus. It's all, like I said, it's all premium doe urine um, and, and certified buck urine. So all comes from the same farm. Um, in my opinion, it's hard to beat real deer pee, but we do have a line of synthetics that do work. We carry it in the liquids and also time-release beads as well. And then, of course, our liquid attractants. We, we're kind of dabbling in a little bit of everything. So, And it's not that uh, I just want to have something available for, for the consumer. That's why I'm doing so much of the a little bit of this and something new next year, something new this year, because I want to be able to provide my customers with what they need. So, Well, I mean, that's a perfectly good reason. Now, um, is there anything you're looking forward to in the future with Rack Daddy that you haven't really talked about, or is yeah. that maybe? <laughs> so what are yeah, we I've uh, we we've got some. I've got a big plan for for next year, and we'd kind of talked about it ahead of the podcast there, and uh, did a bow shoot with the guy that we was talking about, one of their main guys, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm pretty sure that we're going to have that locked in. So we'll just uh, I'll I'll wait because. You know what it is. Um, we'll wait and talk about that more later on whenever I know a for sure thing. But there is some some big moves coming in the future for Rack Daddy as far as uh, getting the name out there with some bigger companies and stuff. Um, I haven't really, and that's this is just me. I grew up a small, you know, small town redneck kid that didn't have much. Um, you know, I'm 15 years old digging up rocks in a field for farmers for five bucks an hour to to have money to do stuff. So. I grew up learning the value of a dollar. Um, I wouldn't call it growing up in poverty. Um, we wasn't we wasn't well off or nothing by no means. Um, had a rough childhood growing up, so uh, learning the value of a dollar early and taking care of the smaller, supporting local stuff like that mind frame is why I target more for stuff like with you guys um, and, and landing and then with the show me whitetails. Uh, I support that stuff more than I do any kind of bigger things that's how i've been since day one um we sponsor a lot of smaller youtube shows and and <laughs> do we sponsor everything we sponsor race cars you know what i mean so yeah, it's it's yeah. and that's all we're family oriented you know the kids i sponsor the race car it, you know of course it's a buddy um but that's something that i share with my kids we go to the races every friday night and they get a route for their car you can't you can't beat that dude there's nothing better than that bonding time with your family so um, I'm supporting local. I'm doing stuff with my kids. I'm getting the product seen. What more can I ask for, dude? I'm just living the dream, you know, and I, I'm content with how fast this thing has been growing and it, it gets stressful, especially through June, July. There was times, dude, where I was, I, I come close to throwing my hands up on it. I'm not going to lie this year. And next year, I'm just going to hire somebody because working full time, being a single dad, having a two and a four year old, um, on top of trying to manage my, my sites and doing my stuff that I need to be doing. Like my time got cut in half this year and I was still successful. You just got to best year yet. Yeah. I mean, you just got to learn, you know, what, what do I want to sink these two hours in today? Okay. Do I want to run around and refresh 10 mineral sites or do I want to go and get boots on the ground and scout this one area that I've been seeing a good buck in? Um, that's what changed in me this year. Last year was the same way, but last year was ag field hunting. So it was new to me. 
and I still shot the deer out of oaks, but <laughs> a pocket of oaks. Um, I never hunt bean fields and stuff like that, really. I just, I, it's never been my thing. Like I said, I grew up in southwest Missouri where we got a lot of hardwoods, so we didn't have a whole lot of agriculture down there to hunt, or I didn't. Um, you know, the farmers that did, I never really got into permissioning or nothing. We worked for a farmer that had cattle pastures, and we hunted them and was successful. So uh, learning the whole ag fields, like like I said, driving out here, I'm like looking, and I'm like, this is something that, that you see in like Midwest whitetail hunts, well-groomed <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, redneck blinds, and, and they're doing it. Like this up here was just like beautiful country. But I hate corn. I hate hunting corn more than anything. And I know a lot of people love it, and they call me crazy for hating it, but I hate that I can't see them damn deer. I, <laughs> I hate it with a passion. So you won't catch me ever hunting corn until it's cut. <laughs> so that's it. A lot of guys like to butt up to them and hunt the edges. And I just, I absolutely hate it because I can't I can't see what the hell's going on until that deer's right up on you usually. So um, getting out of my comfort zone next year, I'm going to try to hunt more corn. So that that's my goal is to broaden the horizons. This year, the last two years, I've got more in tune with river bottom bucks. Um, this year, Weldon Springs, we got drawn for that managed hunt again. My group did. So the year before was very successful and learned so much shit about hunting the river bottoms down there. It's unreal. Um, then, of course, you know, scouting all the areas along the Missouri River, all through Missouri, there's all kinds of conservation and, and forestry and stuff like that you can hunt. So getting out there, walking around, finding secondary food sources has been the night and day change for me. Um, and I've heard people talk about it a million times and I just kind of blew it off. And the last two years, I really keyed in on finding what them deer are feeding on because yeah, they're eating beans fine, but who knows public land, them deer might not come out in those beans until dark, right? So they're going to sit around underneath the willow tree, chew on a couple of, you know, willow leaves, whatever, um, you know, or stinging nettles, stuff like that. So finding them secondary food sources was a big game changer for me. Um, and then next year, like I said, I'm, I'm not afraid. I will tackle any kind of obstacle that there is and I will go into it headstrong and I will beat my head off of a wall until I figure it out. So next year it's going to be corn and I'm going to start, you know, hunting more agriculture, um, stuff like that. So, well, I think that's a big reason why you've been so successful lately is, you know, the fact that you're not afraid to talk to people that are probably better than you and you're always willing to pick up the challenge, you know, the next challenge. Well, what do I suck at? Well, I suck at hunting corn, so I'm going to go I'm going to go hunt corn next year, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever the case may be, but speaking of challenges. Yeah. You know, you've got some challenge coming up with Rag Daddy and you're partnering with a, a few folks. So tell us about who you're partnering up with and, and what you're doing here in the most recent. That's coming up quick. Yeah, the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th of October. So next week um, will be the third, third annual public land challenge. Um, it's called the Central Missouri Public Land Whitetail Challenge is what it's called on Facebook. Uh, started that off with a couple of buddies that hunt public ground three years ago. The first public land challenge, there was, I think... Uh, one, two, I think there was five or six people total that showed up to it. But, dude, it was a freaking blast, dude. And we're like, we're doing it again. Last year, tables have turned. A lot of your guys, uh, Lucas and, and all them guys showed up, had a blast. It grew. This year, I'm expecting triple that. That I've already got people that have reserved campsites from out of state. 
got guys from southern Missouri, big group of guys coming up this year from down there together, um, two big groups of them that are traveling at the same time. So it's going to be a good time. Um, we partnered up. Uh, of course, you know, I sponsor the event because, it's you know, obviously I want to give away something in it. So um, doing $100 from Rack Daddy for Biggest Buck. Um, we've got Rustic Creek Outfitters that are sponsoring it. Um, he donated a Tacticamera Villex camera. Um, we've got uh, Dan Hahn with Hahn's Custom Laser Engraving. He makes all of our plaques for us every year. Uh, and he's, he's phenomenal. And all this stuff, you guys, jump online and check them out because it's local businesses. Um, Scent Thief this year sent me a big care package of trophy packs and extra bottles of Scent Thief spray to give away. Um, and for those that don't know, I... I took a position with their pro staff because I I use their product regardless. I paid full price for it for the last three years and been successful. Um, so whenever I the Rick guy that runs their staff had contacted me and was you know asked me, hey, would you be interested in doing a, a staffing position? One hundred percent, man, absolutely, because I stand behind the product. So um, this ain't. If you see me using something or you see me posting about it online, it's not because I'm trying to pimp a product by no means. It's just because I believe in it and it's actually worked and I've got I've got the proof to back it. So Absolutely. All the sponsors, that's pretty well stuff that I reached out to was stuff that I know um, I've had success with. Uh, we've got South, I believe it's called South 151 Processing up there. Um, they donated uh, free deer cleaning um, and a European mount. We've got Price's Taxidermy out of Ashland. He donated a European mount. And basically, they're like, here's, this is what we donate. You donate it to whatever. So some of the stuff um, we'll donate, we'll, the winner for like the biggest doe. Um, obviously, for people, you know, I don't have a buck tag, so I'm going after a big doe. Uh, the biggest doe will we'll take home a prize too. The person that traveled the furthest will take home something else. Um, I got some guys on staff that sponsored 50 bucks for the biggest buck out of pocket and 50 bucks for the biggest doe. Um, so it, it's all about networking, man, uh, getting to know your community, networking with these guys and to the guys that are listening to this, that hunt Mark Twain and you got the spot figured out like the back of your hand. We're not doing this to piss you off by no means. And I've had guys message me and been just straight up hateful, man. Uh, it's public ground, you know, at the end of the day, we're not trying to, to burn no bridges. I'm bouncing this thing around every year so. Uh, this not year, sticking to one spot. No, the first two years we did Mark Twain down by Ashland. Um, and so a little bit about it, the public land challenge, you got a base camp. You can hunt anything that's public within a 20-mile radius normally. This year we're doing Mark Twain Lake. There's all kinds of core ground. So if it's touching the lake, it's free game. It's all, it's off of honesty, and it's a free event. So if you're going to lie to win the event by killing something off a of private, that's on your conscience, dude. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not going to question anything checked in. I'm just going to. Yeah, because it's not about the competition. No, at the it's end of not. The day. It's not at all. It's Man. uh, it it's about networking, getting camaraderie. Yeah, you know, having you guys up, maybe do some podcasts with people that are you know having success. Um, helping network, help getting people's names out there. Uh the big store up in Monroe City, um, the Hunting Corner, I think is what it's called. Okay. He had contacted me, um, and he wants to do something for the event as well. So I'm not sure exactly what he's doing, but, you know, obviously they're supporting it, so we're giving them a shout-out. Um, but show up, free event, come network, um, and possibly take home some money, take home a tactic camera reveal, take home some, you know, some Scent Thief products, whatever. 
Um, so take home a big buck. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you kill and, a big buck and take home the plaque. You know, we've got the biggest the biggest buck plaque for this year, and then we've also got the biggest doe. I had plaques made for both of them by Dan Hahn. So it's cool, man, getting out, meeting new people, networking. It's kind of a, a lot of guys get into doing the the workshops are becoming a big deal, and it's kind of the same thing. Last year we kind of partnered up with the saddle uh, saddle hunting page. He had a group of dudes that come up, um, and there were some guys that was hunting that had never been in a saddle. So they was able to talk with these guys, show them the ropes. They learn a lot of stuff. So it's definitely a good time. Yeah. Um, like I said, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. A lot of guys are going to stay and hunt Sunday the 9th as well. And where's base camp this year? Uh, it's going to be at Indian Creek. So okay. I got campsite 6 reserved on road. I believe it's SDRI is the name of it. Um, campsite six is reserved for where you will check in at if you're not checked in if you ain't signed in at the event you can't check something in so if you're going to show up get checked in at the event because um, i don't want somebody to, ch- to try to bring in a deer that's not checked in because it's going to get turned down so yeah um, we do that to be fair for the guys that are you know coming in and, and showing us support uh it's free once again free 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 event so sounds like a lot of fun man i i'm Sad that I'm going to be missing the event just because I'm going to be in Wyoming chasing mule deer. But oh, I bet you're not too sad. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm a little sad, but I'll be doing my own public land challenge up in the Ooh, mountains. Awesome. Okay, so I'm looking forward to to, to hearing the outcome of that. Hunt yeah, too, I'm, man. I'm hoping that it's a good one. But either <laughs> way, I love getting out west. But you know, uh, we we've talked a lot here. You know, and talked about the su- success that you've had in the early season, especially in the mornings. You know, loved hearing the story about your buck. Uh, called kickers and get to know your your hunting products get to know a little bit about hunting in urban zones and uh, really looking forward to hearing how the public land challenge turns out this year here in Missouri did you have anything else that you wanted to discuss today before we jump off here not really man if anybody has any questions just give me a shout 573-823-4419 or holler at me on Facebook message the rack daddy page whatever I'll be happy to to answer questions um and if i don't know the answer i'll point you in the direction that you can get it from so hell yeah hell yeah i think uh dalton and i are gonna jump off here and we're gonna come up with some kind of deal we can get for you guys i'm gonna throw together a package um of some minerals some deer urine licking branch some attractants a big care package because if you listen to the podcast all the way to this point right here you need to contact steven and let him know and he'll put and he'll get he'll get your name entered um We'll leave it open for, say, two weeks. And if you've listened to it, get in contact with Steven. Let him know you heard this part of the podcast. And uh, we're going to give somebody a free care package. And if I don't get back with you, I will get to that message. But I'll be in Wyoming where there's no service. And we'll get you that package. I appreciate you guys listening. That's how we do it on the 573. And we'll see you on the next one.